Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ooh, I'm really hitting it hard on the music yeah. today. So excited High to energy. be back. Happy <laughs> August. Yes, our take two vacation. We took July off. We are back today. Greg Hughes is so busy partying, though. He was mm-hmm. unable to join us. So State Auditor John Dougal uh, made some time in his busy auditing schedule to come and be Greg's audit fill-in. what we're talking about and be Greg's villain. <laughs> and Mara Caravello is here as always. So thanks for being back with us. Hopefully everyone's having a great summer. Mara. That is right. Yes, that's it's right. It's nice to be back. Actually. I know. What have you been up to in the last few weeks? Have you had fun at least over our break? We've had a great time. We haven't done anything sort of epic, the usual Utah goodness, a little bit of outdoor activity, some camping. I have to tell you, it's been hot. Like it has I, been really I, hot. I wilt a little bit. Um, so I, I am a, going to be okay with the usual mixed weather that August brings with some hot and some cold. I hate to admit this, but I texted Chase, yeah. the weather guy. Did you make a request? And said, you might want to forecast a snowstorm right now. <laughs> <laughs> you he the, said, give it a few months. The yeah. funny thing is, is I left work last night in between newscasts to go to one of my son's soccer games because they've got tournaments all summer long. And I actually felt a little cool outside. And when I came back, it was 90 degrees. And it was cloudy and a little humid. And I'm so used to the 100 now that I was like, oh, mm. I need a jacket. <laughs> I need a little sweater. <laughs> it's 89. <laughs> You're I an know. Arizona person. You guys could be road tripping, though. I've done three trips to Portland in six weeks. Wow. In Move- your electric car or did you use gas no, this time? gas car the electric car would not go it would That'd take be a lot me, of charging uh, yeah take me a uh, couple weeks just to get up there who are you getting rid of so <laughs> <laughs> the other way around it was bringing my parents in end of june they retired to alpine and my in-laws retired to uh springville mm, good for them nice so so i'm hoping there's a few chits there for a good son or son-in-law yeah. for these type of trips so last for weekend sure. it was 1,700 miles in 38 hours. So drove up Friday, drove back Saturday. So your bum is still numb. That's right. If you uh, want, you can stand up and do squats while we talk to keep it moving. (laughs) You had some good trips, right? Have I been? I can't even remember. Family maybe gathering? My parents had their 50th anniversary. So all six of my siblings were in town. Uh, They live in Philadelphia and D.C. and Florida. They were all here. None of us killed each other. We all had a great time camping (laughs) and water skiing. So that is a boat. You have grown up. (laughs) Yes. Isn't that nice? I know a few of my siblings came home though and they're like do you think we can talk about and they wanted to talk about a few of the you know big things that had happened whether you know it was roe v wade or whatnot and i'm like i don't know i'm like maybe we should just like celebrate yeah. 50 years Let's of happiness yeah and i'm like if you'd like to come sit outside my tent at night and talk politics we'll do that but mom and dad don't have to hear about this so yes oh come on breaking news I know, right? When the family starts like wrestling to uh, work out their problems. So yes, it's been good, but I'm ready for like a month or two of summer. Yes, it just feels like it's slipping through my fingers. That's what I feel like too. When does school start for you? The 15th or whatever that Monday is. Yes, I know it's soon. And at your house? Uh, My daughter starts the 22nd. The 22nd. Up at the U. Ooh, all right. That feels like 
a little more reasonable. There's something mm-hmm. about going to school early August that just feels wrong to me. Thank she you. got her last final done yesterday. So she's got two weeks off. Ooh, so oh, she wow. did summer. She did summer. Well, wow. now it is time to get back to business. And we were just talking about this a couple of days ago. I was planning our return podcast, and it felt all national to me because nothing was happening in the state of Utah. But and wait. yesterday, yes. Utah delivered for you. Utah was like, you know what? It's been a while since we've had a little <laughs> drama. Let's step it up. Uh, before we get into the drama that broke yesterday, um, I want to mention that we are less than 100 days out from Election Day, which means that all of our congressional races and everything else that goes with it is really going to be high pressure. So get ready for the mailers. The commercials, if you're watching TV, are already there. So this how many days you have left to hear them before they go off air. That's right. Yeah, and I used to feel like there were bigger breaks, and now it's continuous. I mean, conventional wisdom is Labor Day kicks off the active campaign season, right? And yeah. we're still, that's a month away still but we're oh, yeah. I know and a couple people have been harassing me on Twitter being like you're not interviewing all of the candidates and I'm like it's summer it's nobody's summer. listening and they're right. like well it's campaign now and it's important now and I'm like I know it's important yeah. to you because we're in this like Twitter echo chamber of less mm-hmm. than 20% of adults that are super interested in it but the average American 20% that's generous generous I know and that, I think it's 23% of adult Americans use Twitter to some mm-hmm. extent but I think a large portion of that is for sports world it's even smaller for politics. So I know, well, if you're listening and you're on Twitter and you're active, we'll get to that. But we're going to let everyone finish celebrating summer and then we'll really hit you hard over the head with all the politics. Yes. So we're getting close to that. Um, Interestingly enough, uh, Rocky Anderson yesterday announced that he is going to run for mayor again and take his office back. So uh, you'll remember this. It was, I think, Right before the Olympics that he took office, um, he was a big presence then. We saw him. Uh, State Auditor Dougal, are you thinking that this is a great option for him to run? There are a lot of people who are not thrilled. Um, Maybe with some of the actions of the current mayor, is he the answer to these alleged problems? Well, I go back to when I was in the legislature, and I had to deal with some of his dynamics as a result of Legacy Highway and Mm. needing to build that, and he was kind of uh, sanding the gears preventing that from happening and driving up the cost of that. So so I'm not a Rocky fan, if you will, but I recognize the agitation here in Salt Lake City. There are some people that clearly like what the mayor is doing, and there's a lot of people that have been agitated, many that were agitated with the previous administration and the one before that. And so this yeah. is just kind of the nature of things. But usually for somebody who's been in office, I think he was in office eight years as mayor, it's usually go off and give somebody else another chance. Yeah. And he's tried to dip his toe back into politics, running for president. Uh, He's busy um, taking on some kind of big cases as an attorney. Is this the time for him to come back and shine, Mara? Or are you the same? He's had his time to shine and let someone else. I think it's, I think what he'll do is make it very interesting. I mean, that's that's in the bank for Rocky Anderson, right? And he has a strong voice. Um, I have always appreciated about Rocky that he's not afraid to make decisions to be out there on his agenda. I do think politics needs more rigorous upfront debate where we we allow our politicians to say nothing quite a bit and Rocky doesn't really abide that. It'll be interesting to see if his brand of politics is popular right now. Right. I mean, he is right on out there. Um, And 
Heidi, as you said, it's it's also interesting because he sort of championed some causes in the last fifteen years mm-hmm. where he hasn't mayor. He's been stay he stayed an active attorney, and a lot of his active attorney is essentially almost political. I mean, he 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 sues and fights for things that he believes in. He formed a political party, ran for um, president, so. I think this is, frankly, a little unexpected on his part. I think if you had asked him two years ago, he wouldn't have considered this, and I think he was going about his life. Um, What I like about it is it will raise the profile of the election. Um, It will make everybody running work a little harder to articulate what they want. He is an absolute contrast from the current mayor, so you'll be given a choice. Um, he, He is going to have to have... I agree with him on the largest issue being homelessness. And um, I don't think Salt Lake City Police Department's doing a very good job, but you also have to expand it a little more. And what I hope they both bring to it that I don't hear from either of them a lot, which is nuts and bolts municipal, which is my roads and my, I mean, municipalities, we rely on them to take care of the neighborhoods around us. to be service providers. Garbage and roads. Yeah, I hope both of them don't just... Um, move into only justice issues, that they move a little bit more into pragmatic municipal government, uh, which I think Salt Lake City needs. Yeah, and it'll be interesting because, like you said, Rocky, Rocky's Rocky. He doesn't need PR. He says what he wants. Whether you like it or not, you take it. And I think on the opposite end, whether or not you like what Mayor Mendenhall is doing, she has a persona online where she's done a good job getting herself out there, even during the pandemic, um, whether it's good lighting at home and doing, you know, a Zoom interview or showing up to the press conference that matters and looking good while you're doing it. It's two vastly different kind of pictures on the surface if you don't dig down into the issue. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. It's interesting he also declared so early, right? I know. I mean, he's usually what one does is start telling funders and telling the political punditry to see and test the waters and as usual he's jumping into the deep end and you know just a reminder the elections for municipalities are odd years yeah so that we're 18 months out of an election I know. And that doesn't even seem that far away because no. everyone's getting mad when we talk about the next presidential election. And I'm like, it's and just around the further. corner. Yeah, it's true. I know. So it's interesting to see uh, more immediate right now. Uh, this kind of came out of the middle of nowhere, but there was a video posted two days ago online of an intern that had been working at the state capitol accusing uh, one of our state senators of improprieties or um, sexual misconduct um, allegations online. And then it sort of started to snowball throughout the day. Uh, Salt Lake County came out online and said that they were suspending uh, one of their own. Their statement came out and said, we stand firmly with the victims and temporarily suspend Senator Jean so Davis. So that, was, that yes. was the Democratic Party. Yeah, and Salt that was Lake Salt Lake Demo- County. Yeah, Democratic Party, not yeah. Salt Lake County government. Yeah, right. Salt Lake County Democratic Party. Yes, excuse me for not saying that. From participating in the Salt Lake County Democratic Party events, committees, and other party-related activity after these allegations came out. And very quickly, others um, in the legislature started saying, you know, we hear you, we believe you. And um, by the end of the night, uh, the state Senate president came out and said, you know, we're taking this seriously by this morning. They said they had an investigation going. On the flip side, Utah Democrats said they're not investigating. Mara, let's start with you, because this is not the first time that we've heard Senator Davis' um, name come out. I want to say it was maybe a little over a year ago where we heard other allegations of a young woman saying that in the past, I think they'd been on some legislative trip. He'd put an arm around her and said, hey, I heard you like body shots. I've got tequila back at my house. 
Um, is this something that needs to be taken seriously or are these things getting blown out of proportion? You know, I think two things have to happen. One, we should acknowledge in Utah, sexual harassment, sexual assault are actually uh, above average in Utah. Yeah. And part of it is I don't think we talk about it. So, uh, and then the other, one of the things that I think are, is the balance and the cultural change that I think has been very important is one of when a, a woman makes this accusation, first and foremost, you begin from the place of believing her. Equally balancing that is giving it due process and justice because you can do both. You can both say to the person, I'm not going to dismiss these claims. I'm going to take them very seriously, uh, do what the party has done, which is suspend things, put people in safe positions, sort of try and do as much as you can to freeze the circumstance and not create uh, an uncomfortable place mm -hmm. for the woman. I think the other side of that is giving due process, whatever process you're in, whether that's a legal, I mean, most often we use that legally. This is not a legal accusation. We should be sure to yes. say she, she filed a complaint with the party and um, because he's a sitting senator, the Senate, uh, Senator Adams has also spoke to it. And I do think that Senator Gene Davis deserves process whatever that is for the body that's getting the complaint i it appears as though they're doing both of them heidi as you suggested this is not the first accusation against gene davis um for, to remind our listeners he lost his primary by quite a bit um he lost i want to say his opponent who was a first-time candidate won in the 70s like 70 yeah i meant one seventy two, and he had high 20s he's been in the senate Gosh, John. Well, I'm not Senate even, since 99. And I then think the he's House been in the legislature since 87. So he has been a public servant for a very long time. Um, but he isn't standing for election again. Uh, so he will retire after the November election. I mean, after the turnover in January. Yeah. But I think it's both. I think we I think we have to continue to build the culture that first says, believe um, the person who is claiming they've been harmed and then give the accused process. Are you seeing things go out in a manner that seems like they're being taken seriously and how you'd like to see it? Well, I think uh, there's a couple things. First of all, I think it's important to note from a legislative perspective, they got somebody several years ago that's an HR specialist to better train mm -hmm. uh, legislative staff and elected officials on what is and isn't appropriate. My understanding is they do annual training on sexual harassment and other things like that just to make sure they're better trained and understand the dynamic because for some – the culture has changed over decades and decades of time, and it's not what it was, let's say, in the 80s. It's not the old boys club anymore? Not the good old boys club, definitely. Um, I, I think clearly for President Adams, for him to look into this, uh, he's coming from an independent uh, group looking at it. Clearly, if they had the legislature, which is mostly controlled by Republicans, it might look like it's a partisan attack yeah. on Senator Davis. And so having an independent entity, an independent group looking at it, I think is the appropriate thing from his perspective. Um, but I think it's important to note, based on what I've heard of the allegations, this does not appear like something that took place in his role as a legislator when she was an intern of the legislature. This sounds like it was more a campaign activity. And so it would be appropriate in my mind for the party to look into this. And, and so I would encourage the Democratic Party in one form or fashion to look into what yeah, took right place. Right now, Utah Democrats say they're not. So no. we'll see if that happens. We also have an interim session that be, should be coming up soon. What happens if he's still being investigated? Does he get to participate and vote? Or how does that all shake out? Anyone know how that would go? Well, I mean, the rules would be that accusations can't stop you from being a participant, right? Job, I mean, yeah. And so the process that would uphold is to say, 
well, we can't. You, you have to be um, – I, I, the rules that govern both caucuses, actually, are that you would have to be c- accused and convicted or sanctioned, justly officially. sanctioned. And yeah. so they could still choose. I mean, there's an interesting thing about impropriety in which um, – it may not be a legal action, but I think if a body finds that you're not worthy of the leadership conveyed to them, that's when sanctions come in. You say, hey, listen, we're not speaking legally, but we're saying we want to uphold a standard or a decorum, and we don't think you're living up to that standard. I think it'll be too early in interim to do much about that. Um, and then the question I think becomes a practicality if we're being honest about it in which you say, well, he's leaving office. And so I think I I would expect probably that the Senate would maybe let it take its course. And again, as John said, defer to the county or the county Democratic Party with whom the grievance has been um, submitted. All right. We'll be one of these dynamics, though, is simply for folks. You know, if you're a 60, 70 year old man engaging with a 20 year old male or female doesn't really matter. Think about what you're doing. Here's what I think about what you're doing in terms of touching or saying or other things like that. I mean, here's what I worry about, though. I worry about, you know, this young lady came forward and I think we should all applaud her for speaking her truth in public and how stressful that is to talk about these things in public. What I worry about and I have no solution for as a female, though, is I can see where men would say that I'm just not going to have a female intern it's it's too i'm and just not going to have no, a no, no, no. No, but I, and that's not what and you're suggesting what but i am saying that that could be a reasonable solution and i'm asking that we all conscientiously decide not to think like that because one of the challenges very frankly i have had men tell me who, with whom i am doing business tell me that they can't go to lunch with me by myself. I mean, there is a deterrent to women. Um, One, I think what offends me is I'm like, clearly you're the one with the issue, so why don't you not? I mean, it's it's somewhat of a sanctioning me by not allowing me to have a one-on-one conversation. So I, I am always a little worried when this comes out and the unspoken consequence is to not include women in these really key roles. Being an intern is an amazing experience if you're interested in public service. And I hope the unintended consequence of things like this are not sort of to say, uh, I just think I'll get a guy as an intern. Well, but even then, you can get a guy that's an intern and say or do something inappropriate with them as well. Sure. I mean, there are some folks that are huggers. And generally in a professional environment, that is not an appropriate thing. Mm. I'm anti-hugging. You're like, yeah. I would live in a bubble if I could. I don't know. They what's are wrong just fist bumping. Then I have to admit, I'm a hugger. I'm, I'm You're not, a hugger, but I will. I don't. I don't hug people. That's I don't it. Want I'm to hugging you on your way out of this. That's podcast. right. We're going. Mara from has now not on. hugged me yet. I, well, you know, I mean, like I, you know, I read hugging. I, it's not a random hug. You know, it's you know, it's I a learned to um, be more of a hugger when I moved to Florida uh, mm-hmm. years ago because in. The fake self, I guess, is what Florida is. There was a lot more hugging going on than I was used to. And I didn't know I was not a hugger until I actually (laughs) was leaving Utah. I was working at ABC4 at the time. And my neighbors, when they left, they said, we know you don't like hugs, but can I give you one? I'm like, I've never said I don't like hugs. And I must just give off this prickly pear. Like, you just sense, like... We huggers sense it. (laughs) No hugging allowed. (laughs) It's that vibe. Yes, I'm trying to get better. And I bring up that example because Utah politics, there are a lot of huggers Interesting. And people that want to hug you as an elected official, and you're just mm. kind of going, 
Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I did start accepting Senator Hatch hugs at the end of his oh, life. He turned go. into a hugger, like at the end. I don't know if that was the end or maybe just when I paid attention to it. But I'm like, you know what? Because that was a breakthrough. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, a couple other things we have to talk about. Uh, there have been some really close legislative races during um, the primary election. And yesterday, uh, down in Washington County, Willie Billings announced uh, that he would be dropping his lawsuit challenging uh, the House District 72 primary. He lost to Joseph um, Ellison, I think is how you say his name, by just 10 votes. So it was it was close. really close. It was Out close. of about 8,000 Yeah. Votes. And so it just goes to show you that every vote counts. And I think we're all probably, if you run a hard race, you, you know, you're like, I want it recounted. You want to make sure that you win. But um, in the current situation that we're in uh, with elections, I think there's a lot of people who want to say, you know, that there was something that went wrong or what if there was some cheating or, you know, what if something didn't go right? And Lieutenant Governor Henderson, in her role, who is over elections in the state, was very quick after that lawsuit was um, dropped yesterday to come out and say that we really have to turn down the um, heat right now on election fraud claims. And even if there is a hard race, just say, you know what, I lost, it was close, I'll try again. Is that the right answer, or is it okay to put up a fight, Mr. Auditor? Uh, Ten votes is close. The the answer is both. Uh, You know, if you think there's concerns and other things like that, make your case, make your case in the appropriate manners. Yeah. In in this case, there was a recount, other things like that. But also, when it comes to election officials, it's important to say there there are folks for uh, various concerns. Um, Where is their merit to their concerns, and how do we improve the transparency and help them better understand the process? I know some who did not understand, for example, the signature ballot validation process that takes place. And when they started to learn about that, it's like, okay, there's more protections than I thought there were in the process. But it's one of those type of things. We should always be looking to say, how do we improve and strengthen our elections? We don't want to just say, well, just trust me. Yeah. Reagan said, trust but verify. We want to make sure there's a verification aspect. But we don't want to run around with frivolous accusations to say, you know, it's bad, it's bad, it's illegitimate whether it's the election or whether it's Supreme Court or whatever it might be, we get folks on all sides of the aisles thrown around these allegations of impropriety and, and invalidity, and that just undercuts things if you yeah. don't have merit to your claims. It certainly seems like it's heightened right now concerns with whether or not uh, elections were fair and was everything counted properly after January 6th in this last election. But, Mara, this isn't something that has just began on a national level. If you look at it, there's people who will go through and edit videos uh, just about every presidential election afterwards. There's the other side always, it seems, is like, is this fair? Did something go wrong? You know, was something not counted fairly? It seems like we're oftentimes questioning whether or not things are done legally and right. And did I fairly lose or should I have won? Um, You're referring to GFK's presidential election. You're referring (laughs) to LBJ when he first got in Congress. I mean, when you say a long time, we're talking. It's a a long time. Generations. Yeah. So when you look back, it's both sides that do it. But it seems like we're heightened now. And is there harm that comes from that when we don't have trust in the process? Or is it good to take a deep dive? And if you feel like you need to, you know, file a lawsuit. It's harmful because it's politics right now. It's not reality. So I very seldom labor my experience, but I have done probably hands-on hundreds and hundreds of races in Utah. I've lost a I lost a ballot measure by five votes, which is super painful because that's like that? a family. 
It's with South Salt Lake. Bless their hearts. They could have had this amazing community center. Um, I've <laughs> done I've done state several statewide ballot measures before statewide ballot measures were cool. I've I've signature gathered for twenty years. I have a deep and abiding belief in the county clerk system. So as you said, the lieutenant governor governs it. But who runs elections where the power is, is in the county clerk. And what I love about the county clerk is that they should be calling balls and strikes. The yeah. best county clerk calls balls and strikes. Um, and and the, the system is cumbersome. They also do all of our, you know, passport photos and our marriage license. And their role is to keep track of our interactions with governmental affairs to a large degree, particularly permits and mm-hmm. things like that. And, you know, it is boring, but the intrigue is not there. And that, as, some, as someone who's run hundreds of Democratic races, hundreds of Republicans, and Democrats come up short a lot. And I have had, I had in the early 2000s, um, I had a complaint with the Utah County Clerk, which is, for those of us who have been doing politics in Utah, having a complaint with the Utah County Clerk is not an unusual thing. And I went in, and it was well known that there was a little sloppiness in this. But I also was questioning a process, and he quoted back to me the statute he was using. And I said, well, I mean, just for clarification, that is the um, Republican County r- uh, rules. It's not the state rules, and I'm going to need you to switch books you're reading. Even with that, even with all those stories, we run free and fair elections. We run elections without corruption. And when you question the elections, you should be correcting, questioning corrupt elections. Um, processes. There's, there's always errors and issues there's like that. There's always errors. But there's ways they remedy that. And we the have them built in. We have automatic recounts. You can request recounts. Um, we do have bunches of tripwires. Now, can, I, can said, I give an example? Absolutely. So, so San Pete County, uh, recently they sent out a bunch of ballots but forgot to have the signature That's block. right. So they had to remedy that and send out postcards to folks to have them sign that the ballot they submitted was their ballot. But what That's I don't abide is when conspiracy theory is that this was, you know, malicious six, intent. six steps of, you know, deep throat government. It doesn't oh, exist. Oh, not six degrees of Kevin. No. <laughs> but, like, it, 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 the government is not organized enough to be as conspiratorial as I hear. So I, I think Utah has one of the best election processes. It has errors. One should watch it. We've always been allowed to pull watch. So if you feel out of control, participate more in the system. But I do think it is not helpful to peanut gallery and pretend like there is suspicious behavior when I have, I mean, I have worked a ton with the county clerks. I think you should pay attention to who you elect as county clerk. Um, I don't think we pay enough attention to offices uh, like treasurer, auditor, clerks, because they perform a professional measure, oh, yes. and we really should check them out a little bit more. But I am exhausted by and have no space for the blind conspiracy yeah. on elections. I think it's weird that we elect some of those positions. One of the people who I know very well who runs elections is Sherry Swenson. She's mm-hmm. been doing it in Salt Lake County for years and years and years, and she is amazing at what she does. Um, obviously, Republicans in Salt Lake County are winning most of the time. She's elected as a Democrat. And I think she might be done running. I think she, she, is. Yeah. she is. Yeah, but she's done an amazing job. And I think sometimes when you go talk to people about what they do and how the ballots are checked, people don't really know or understand the process. And as reporters, we get to go in and see it and watch mm-hmm. the signer signature verification and where all the ballots go. And I can't say that the same thing happens in other counties or other states because I haven't seen it in real life. But 
if you have questions, go ask. I, I think a government entity, if you asked and said, hey, can we see, can I bring my Boy Scout group That's in? Right. Can I come with my family? And I think if you weren't doing it like the night before the election when they're cramming and getting yeah. their job done, you know, I think they would be willing to show you the process and how it works and how they check and verify everything. Well, a month or so before the election, they welcome folks in. They yeah. also go through some checking the equipment and making sure the counts are working properly and other things like that. Yeah. So. Their logic and analysis test is what they call it. And sometimes you lose, folks. I, I ran for student government. I was not. I, I didn't have skills to be like a cheerleader or a dancer like I wanted to be. So I ran for student <laughs> government. And somehow and look I would. At you now. I know I would win and lose every other year. And I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Right. So sometimes you just lose. Sometimes you, you just lose. gotta give out better cinnamon bears the next year or whatever That's it takes right. to get elected. Right. <laughs> but so. she'll be on at six. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Five, six, and ten. Yes, tonight. Um, maybe when I grow up, I'll have to run for a real office yeah. that really matters, like state auditor. There you go. I hate math. I hate... Probably I really, not your job, then. No, I hate all that um, detail-oriented um, bar graphs and all that kind of stuff, spreadsheets. I think I would be terrible at that job. Hey, before we leave um, the local elections, I wanted to bring up that Orem voters... Uh, Apparently, you're going to have another big vote they have to look at, and they don't have a lot of time to decide on this, but coming up in the election, they'll decide if they want their own specific school district for Orem City or if they want to stay with Alpine District. Alpine, I believe, is still the biggest district in the state. It wasn't um, until recent years, but it's grown exponentially as we've moved down Salt Lake County. Yeah, Jordan and Canyon split. They became the largest district. So obviously, when you have a large district, there's probably problems that come along with that, but there's problems i'm sure when you're starting off on your own we've seen that sometimes when police departments are splitting from unified and they split and they come back together again um when you look at this the possibility of them splitting what do people need to be thinking about i'm trying to think of examples here in utah but murray city has its own school district they do a good job with it they run their own um I think electricity, they have a lot of things that are run within their own city. Are there other cities that are doing this well and doing it here in the state of Utah? Or is this a grand experiment that Orem is trying to? So this isn't a grand experiment. I mean, you've got clearly the Jordan Canyon split that took place. We saw the process. And unfortunately, from my perspective, there were too many adults behaving badly. Yeah, It wasn't really about the kids. It was about the adults and their control. And I thought that was sad. Um, But you have, you know, you mentioned Murray. Provo City has their own school district. There's various, oh, cities, yeah. there's various cities that have their own, Park City and so forth. Um, really, at the end of the day, if I were a voter, the questions I'd be asking is, okay, is the money going to get to where it really helps the kids, and are they going to be able to deliver? And is it better in a combined entity or in a separate entity? And that's really, if I were an Orem voter, that's what I'm looking at. Because there's certain benefits from Alpine and what they do and the size and efficiencies they have as a result. Yeah. And there's clearly certain detriments. Now I hear the dynamic, which is, well, all the money's going elsewhere. And as I look at the data, no, there's quite a bit of money that's going into Orem, given the small size of their schools and the cost on a per student basis. So those ones kind of fall flat to me. But at the end of the day, that's what I would be looking at. Now I live in the Alpine district. I'm interested to see what Orem does. I'm not in Orem, so I don't have a vote. Yeah. But I will get impacted one way or the other, depending what they do. And I think some of those big growth areas, that's sometimes where the frustration comes in. And I wasn't actually here when Canyons and Jordan split. But if you look at the way things are happening, sometimes if you live in the older area and your kids are in the older schools, and then all of a sudden there's growth and they're getting these big, beautiful schools and they've got windows and they look like a mall. It's frustrating to see it happen. I actually um, live in the Jordan School District. My kids have gone to Bingham High School and it's like a lot of the older schools. There's not windows. It looks like a big brick prison and it is what it is. And then you get these big, beautiful schools where everything's growing in the southwest end. And it's easy to be like 
well, this is not fair. They get all the new nice stuff, and we want to, you know, run our own show and build our own mall over here. I think it was the right decision to put this on the ballot. I mean, I think at the end of the day, they weighed the pros and cons, and I do think there's a pretty even list of pros and cons. And at that point, I do default to saying, yeah, let the voters make up their minds. I hope that there's effort and effort actually public expenditure put in to neutral education on it because I think it's really important that this is an informed vote Um, because there are reasons for both sides and I think it's right the big question at hand is will you raise the revenue you want for the kind of education and capitalization that you want for a district that you have or in fact do you want to be a part of a bigger one but I would be a fan of saying yeah I think it's appropriate to say they weighed it. They didn't find, they being the council, didn't find a clear yeah. path that they wanted to build around. So at that point, I think it's completely fair to put it out to a voter. But I also feel like the onus is also on the entity to help make sure people have really readable, uh, readily available information about what could happen in either instance. Well, and Alpine School District, the board had to make some difficult decisions recently because right. Orem has a declining student base yeah so they had to consolidate and close um at least one school that i recall down there which hits folks emotionally that's the school i grew up in that's where i went and how dare they but when you start to see those numbers decline and just to have a reasonable education and to deal with the costs they have to consolidate versus if you look at parts northwest you know eagle mountain saratoga springs where you're booming like crazy okay you're building a new school because you have to build a new school. That's yeah. just what it is. And and you're dealing with the growth. But sometimes you've got, you know, those schools that are full the moment you open them with a 1,000 kids there and you've got maybe 300 down in a small elementary school in Oregon. But that would be the argument for me to form my own. That would yeah. be the argument to say, yeah, you know what? You are addressing too big of a disparate ge- geography. And I actually just want to focus on it. I, I want to be able to focus just on the needs of my jurisdiction, my locale. And I will and just – go ahead. And I was going to say, it's, it's a little ironic from my perspective because Orem has run the Alpine District for and so controlled long. it for so long. And yeah. then all of a sudden, when they're not really controlling it, all of a sudden, we want to take our toys and leave. Now, so I can't leave this segment without pointing out that I uh, live in the Salt Lake City School District, so I would take these problems because, you know, we've got our own we do, little bit of goodness have that going on, on our list. at the Salt Lake City School yes, District. Yes, I know. I failed to put on that on the <laughs> list today, but the superintendent issue that's been ongoing has now basically been put off to mediation right now. So parents are starting the school year feeling frustrated because they don't have leadership in place. And that leadership, don't get me wrong, is important. But I think teachers are preparing, schools are preparing, they're ready to go back. But, but they're frustrated. After, but they're they're going to be in school versus frustrated, not not in school during and the pandemic. And they had a yeah. more than average rocky COVID, remember? I yes. mean, they had such a hard COVID, uh, Salt Lake City Schools. They've had trouble with like half of their board. I don't yeah. know what's going on there, but it has been a hard row. For I know. So since we're here, let's talk about this. So right now, Janetta Williams with the Utah chapter of NAACP wants to call in um, the Department of Justice. The Department of Justice to U- look at US this. Department is, of is that a, is that a good option to bring in the U.S. Department of Justice to this, or do you go with what the contract says and bring in a mediator to figure this all out? And it's going to cost taxpayers no matter what. 
you're not going to be pretty. You're, you're in Salt Lake City, so optics are really going to yes. matter. I think the protocol from a proprietary point of view is fine um, in terms of using a mediator. That would be the normal standard, yeah. of course, with an HR. And you have a really interesting situation in which you have a well-liked, well-spoken superintendent, but you have a number of HR complaints against him. You have a superintendent who actually came in, you hired him with a wrongful firing claim, which is interesting. I mean, that, that felt a little wild, not wild. I don't even know what the right word was to me, but it, it felt, kind of, yeah, it felt weird to me when they were needing to fix big problems. And I'm not saying that you necessarily are a big problem if you've had a settlement like that, but it was a settlement with lots of zeros next to it. And then you're and a large Atlanta school district. Yes, and it makes you question what exactly happened, why it happened. And so there's some bad history that comes with that. And then we live in a, the state of Utah where we're building a more diverse community. And right. it's getting more diverse by the day. But then when you hire um, someone diverse, he's African-American, then does the fight become beyond what the specific problem is? And is this a race issue? And so... This is a mess. It's a mess. I would say I do not think it's a good idea to call the federal government in on this issue. Mediation, yeah. yes. If you need to go to the, get state officials, state board of ed, whatever it might be to help mitigate and, and, and mediate the situation, I think that's reasonable and appropriate. But I think it's in, inappropriate to escalate what is a local issue all the way to the federal government. And everyone needs to be asking how Salt Lake City school districts can hit the restart button, right? Like, yeah. how can we just clear away some of this from the board to the leaders, from the pressure on the faculty? It's just been... Well, can I bring up, yeah. is it time to just get rid of that district and consolidate it somewhere else? No. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. No. We want to talk about, they've got no, their problems. Bigger, bigger isn't better, and Salt Lake um, has a uniqueness to it. Um, it is one of the most blended cities, and it values the blending, frankly, more than other jurisdictions do. And it needs its own autonomy, and it's the capital city. And I think it's appropriate to have a Salt Lake City school district, and I believe they can write themselves. I mean, we have the but talent we have years there. of showing that they can't, so it'll be yeah. interesting to see yeah. what Do you happens. want canyons or granite to soak them up? <laughs> I'm just saying there's, you know, we're yeah. have that discussion, and we should have that discussion. I mean, the geographic monopolies that we've had historically made sense 100, 150 yeah. years ago. I don't think they make sense today. Yeah, I mean, you have a pretty big population. You'd have to gobble up. Uh, Granite actually does, as many of you know who are in Salt Lake City, they have an open policy. I mean, we can apply. My my yeah. daughter applied to, she's, she's at a Catholic school, but she applied to a Salt Lake City school and Skyline who is in Granite. And so they go back and forth. We have an open policy with Granite School District in Salt Lake City. During, during the pandemic, I think 1,500 students essentially went to Granite. Right. They were open and Salt Lake was essentially closed. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I definitely think it's time for um, Salt Lake City School District. The challenge becomes I do think the school district is who needs to step up and change it. I was a critic. I don't think Aaron Mendenhall's press conference sort of saying you don't have your act together was very helpful because it's like you don't need to publicly shame them anymore. They've taken care of that themselves. So if the Salt Lake City mayor wants yeah. to be helpful, she should privately roll up her sleeves and go be helpful. Um, I don't think, you know, all of us just criticizing. We have to decide if we're going to participate. Yeah, and that's the hard issue. And there's a couple districts in the state right now that are having a problem. I know right. that Davis has been working through some issues, Salt Lake City is. And I think it it trickles down even though the administration doesn't 
directly affect you on your day-to-day business when you're taking your kids to school. I think those frustrations and things that aren't getting fixed and are always broken, they become cancers inside of your schools and you don't want that inside of your schools. You don't want teachers when they're on break or students or PTA meetings to all always be discussing these issues of administration when you really want to be focused on the kids and what's happening in your classroom, in your school, and it's not what we want. So hope we can figure that out. Um, At this point, I'm throwing all the national issues out. We just have too much Utah stuff. (laughs) Um, Last thing I wanted to talk about. You don't want to talk Taiwan? No, well... See, now you're tempting me. I feel like we got to talk about all of this. I'm like, please. I know there's a lot going on right now. Uh, But the congressional races, as uh, Mara mentioned, everything's really going to heat up when we get to Labor Day because that's when everyone buckles down. We're done having summer fun. We're back in our normal schedules. We're thinking serious issues. We're getting close to the November election. But um, the last poll that's come out right now in the Senate race, uh, I think the numbers are interesting. They did this uh, poll between July 13th and the 18th. It put Senator Mike Lee at 41%, Evan McMullen at 36%. Uh, Mind you that this could be a margin of error of 3.46%. So that puts it in a fairly tight, close race. The thing where I have questions is it says 14% other they would be voting for, and then the don't knows are only at 8%. So who are these 14% others that people are willing in a poll to say, write me down for them right now? Yeah, I mean, the others are people who will end up voting for Lee and don't want to. In my mind, if I were going to give you what I think is going to happen. I've said on a prior podcast, I'm going to continue to say this. She hasn't declared she's not interested, but I am going to write in Heidi Hatch. You are, so, yes. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to happen You need to win me. an election. <laughs> I know, I need one. I'm trying to be, I won it, my last election, though, my uh, senior Heidi for year. America. So, so this, this is your a, off. This is my off year, so, well, um, yeah. You may get your loss even with with my write in <laughs> but i i think that um for me what is what is fascinating is this has captured some national attention yeah um evan mcmullen is raising money like nuts which is usually what you look for in a challenger so good for him he's up on tv he's sustained tv he's in his second ad um so he is are doing- his ads working for you for me, I'm for writing public. in Heidi Hatch. Okay, that's true. So he's establishing himself. Right now, what candidates do is let us get to know you, and he's doing that. I, I met his wife and kids on during the Channel Super 2 helpful. News yes. last night. So he's doing everything right, um, and it will make for an interesting race. At the end of the day, anybody who's putting Vegas money down would look at that poll and say, that poll assures me that Mike Lee is likely to win in November. What do you think? When you look at that, are you saying, you know what, there's a lot of question marks because he's got Democrats backing him. He went to Democrats and said, will you back me? We don't have Kale Weston in the race. So one would assume that most, if not all, Democrats are going to vote for him, even though I don't know that he terribly aligns with what a lot of Democrats want. He's at least not Mike Lee, I think, for a lot of Democratic voters. Um, And then he's going to have some of the Republicans that are maybe frustrated with Senator Lee. So does that amount up or add up to enough in your mind that we're getting close here? Well, if you look at the ads, first of all, who's Mike running against? In his ads, he's not running against Evan. Yeah. He's running against Joe Biden. This is Joe Biden's America, and I'm fighting against it because we want something better. And that, for his base and those that are going to come out, that's really how they're going to see this election. And this he's election is Evan whether or not voting uh, for yeah, him. Yeah, absolutely. A vote for Evan is a vote for Joe Biden, and that is the message. And Evan's trying to come out saying, "Hey, I'm the terrorist fighter, and I'm a family man, 
mm-hmm. and stuff, and you should trust me. And that's, for him, that is, as Mara said, trying to introduce him to Utahns and trying to say, you can trust me. But at the end of the day, I agree. The poll says Mike wins. Because when people say, one, either I like Mike, or two, I don't like Joe Biden's agenda, that's, those are both votes for Mike. Yeah. And I think you'll find a lot of Democrats and a lot of moderates just skipping this particular vote. I, I, I won't be surprised if the Senate race doesn't perform as well as some of the other races. Which do. is interesting because usually the top races yeah. get the most votes right. and then you trickle down and they don't. So it'll be interesting to see. And it is interesting to see the level of attention on a national level. And I think it goes back to the presidential election as well. It, there's something sexy about the idea that we could break free from our two-party system. I think there's a lot of people cheering on the concept that it wouldn't have to be just right and left, that there would be other options. And so I think it's exciting to talk about that, you know, someone could do do that. And I think that's a big deal. So, so I did learn from Leah Murray, who runs the Olean Walker Center at Weber State. I want to give her credit because I also I kind of mocked this, to be honest. But the um, this was in response to the forward party mm-hmm. from Andrew Yang just yeah. came out with a new party. The last successful third party that became mainstream, anyone? Republican Party. The Republican Party. Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. So they. So apparently, every two hundred years or so, we Something choose a new across. party. Yeah, I mean, Russ, Russ Perot tried. And we've had a lot yeah. of people give it a go. Although those people surrounded themselves with a wealthy individual. Yeah. Uh, forward party is kind of trying to have an yeah. agenda, but yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting. If nothing else, follow Andrew Yang on Twitter. I think he's um, at least like kind of fun to listen to because everything's so partisan these days, especially even in the Senate race. Evan McMullen's tweets are, Mike Lee sucks rocks and dies, right. you know, whatever the issue of the day is. And then, like you said, he, his tweets on the opposite end are, Joe Biden's Biden horrible. sucks rocks now, and Andrew we're all going to die. Andrew Yang is thoughtful. Do you remember when he ran for president? He came out with like a, a six-pound... 200 you know he came out with a huge policy agenda the guy's a thinker and he has some very interesting ideas he had ideas and i've forgotten the word for it um basic income universal like, was basic universal income. Income. was one of the things yeah. and so i actually kind of like that I about him or how any do you other say candidate. sure the money sure the money no i don't want <laughs> I, I don't want universal basic income but what i do like about him is that he comes out with ideas and sometimes our elections right now are not run on ideas or how I'm going to solve them. I want to hear people telling me, how are they going to fix inflation? What are we going to do to make sure that we have jobs at home in America? What about gas prices? But instead of solving these problems and coming up with ideas, it's just like, you guys suck and you guys suck and let's all eat rocks and die. Yeah, well, and I think we've forced the federal government to try and address too many issues for us. And we would be better pushing it down to the states and the local communities and the individuals rather than having D.C. write in to fix everything for us and cause bigger problems. Orem fills you. They'd like to keep it local. Salt Lake City, (laughs) not so much. They want to bring in the feds. That's right. right. (laughs) Depends on what city you're in, who who you'd like to be in charge right now. Well, this has been fun chatting and catching up after the summertime. Um, There are a lot of national issues happening, too. So the good news is we get to meet on a weekly basis. And if Greg Hughes keeps going on vacations and... Live in La Vida Loca. <laughs> we can have, have a you, recount next week. Yeah. We can have a recount next exactly. week and look at all the I issues I think Greg Hughes might need to be audited by the state auditor. It's just a suggestion. So I'm not sure it's within my scope of we authority. Expand the scope. I know. I we shouldn't make fun of him. He's out celebrating his wife who's having a big birthday, as, as we hear. So happy birthday. 29. 29, 29. is such a good year. <laughs> yes. Definitely a good year. We've got to stop saying 29 is the year to keep reliving because that's starting to feel too far ago. Right. It's probably. Should we all be 39 again? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I'll, you take, your I'll 29th take 39. Version of the 29th birthday. That's, uh, yeah, you're That's where you adding are. up. It's a lot of math going on. Well, thank you so much for being here and talking important issues. Thank you for listening. Tell your friends we are back from summer break, and we'll chat at you next week.